Hello, people. Just quickly, I mentioned today that this is the second guest that I've had on the podcast. It turns out that's not true. I've actually flipped my first two guests, and today's guest, awesome dude, he's actually going to be first, even though I say in the audio he's second. So I just noticed that listening back. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I'm recording this on the Backpack Studio app, which will become much more relevant in about 90 seconds-ish from now. And if you do want to support the show, buymeacoffee.com slash deadsetpod. Buymeacoffee.com slash deadsetpod. The Backpack Studio app's awesome. And I've just got my RE20 plugged into an iRig Pre-HD straight into my iPhone 11 Pro Max. This might be the first time I've used Backpack on this new phone. I was using it on a 7 Plus. Never let me down, except for when I screwed up and did the wrong thing with the app. So yeah, today's all about Backpack, and we get the inside scoop on what I think is the best recording app, all-in-one production-style app that's available on a mobile device for podcasters, even voiceover and audio producers. Anything spoken word, I think you could really get something useful out of this app. So I haven't done anything to this audio except for use the app and left all the presets turned on, except maybe the auto-ducking, which I turned off. Okay, we'll jump in now. Let's talk some Backpack with Ed Filawat. This episode was edited by Deadset Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing. You're listening to Deadset Podcasting with your host, Josh Liston. This is a show dedicated to podcasting in Australia, New Zealand and Southeast Asia. Follow along with today's episode over at deadsetpodcasting.com. Okay, here we go. Welcome back, everybody. I'm here with Ed Filawat, who is the founder and creator of the Backpack Studio app, which I love, and I also use to produce the majority of a little short-form comedy show called Tips of the Slung, and I find my, myself doing more and more podcasting with all this fancy gear around me, and if you're following the show, you've probably seen photos just talking through a, a microphone straight into my phone and pressing a few sound effects. It's working so well. It sounds so great. And I've managed to get the man behind the product on the show. So welcome, Ed. Thank you for being now, I think, maybe only the second guest I've ever had on this show. So, Oh, wow. Great. Thanks for having me. We were just talking in the lead up to the interview that we won't geolocate Ed too strongly, but he's not in his normal location. He's out and about <laughs> during all of this yeah. wild stuff that's happening in the world. So I just wanted to say thank you from myself and the audience for making the time. And I understand it's a pretty strange time of the day over there. It's the middle of the yeah. afternoon here. <laughs> I am in Austin, Texas in the, in the United States, and it's midnight right now. But um, <laughs> I'm a night owl, so um, lo I love being on Australian time and doing the interview at midnight. Excellent. So one thing that just kind of freaks me out a bit, Ed, is just how beautiful this product is. And we might get into the lineage of Backpack. You, I don't think I've heard you on any of any show that's remotely <laughs> directed at the podcast creator. I'm not sure I've heard you on an interview yet. And that kind of surprises me. And I thought, Josh, if you're going to do interviews, try and get people that need to be on, you know, get their voice out there and get their products out there because you're making some of the best stuff I've seen. My 10 years of doing this. So can you just talk us through a little bit of the history of the product and maybe how you came to Backpack? 
I think people are probably more familiar with the product than they are with what led to the product at this point. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting story. I've been working with podcasting software since the very beginning of podcasting. Uh, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and around 2004 or 2005, I was in a bar one night and I met a couple guys that started uh, Liberated Syndication, which is Libsyn, which is probably the biggest, largest podcast host. And I hit it off with them and I hadn't, nobody had ever heard of a podcast that they built this and it was, it just blew my mind what it did. And I, I was a programmer and I became their first employee and I worked there for about five years and did the UI, a lot of the UI design and UI work. And then after, after Libsyn, I created a product called Boss Jock Studio with one of the founders. And then that evolved over time into what is now Backpack Studio. So I've always been making podcasting software. <laughs> <laughs> and closely aligned, I guess, to one of the main through lines in the industry being that original Libsyn crew and that path through to Boss Jock, which I'm, it may be still the case, at least to the Australasian audience, Ed, that Australia, New Zealand, that Boss Jock did have some reach into this market as far as people I knew that were making podcasts. And yes. people, a lot of people now I know have moved over to, to Backpack, but they might not realize that there's any connection there at all. So we don't need to relitigate why the change or anything like that, but I was just wondering for those people that maybe are familiar with Boss Jock, but have not yet ventured into Backpack, how is the app in your your mind? How is it different, better? What features does it have that maybe Boss Jock didn't, etc.? I know that's a broad question, but we can dig in as much as you like. Well, I guess the two major ones is, well, it's redesigned from the ground up based on uh, the feedback that was coming in over the years. And I guess the number one thing is the unlimited soundboard. So you can have as many sound pads as you want, which opens it up to a whole lot of uses other than traditional podcasting to Broadway shows, you know, any, anything you want to trigger audio with. It makes it more of a generalized utility app. And then the second major thing was there were so many radio producers using it to record that they wanted to be able to live stream to their stations with it. So it was kind of reinvented more, a little more with radio in mind. So a lot of radio people started doing podcasts and a lot of podcasters starting doing radio. So being able to connect it to Icecast is another major advantage. And then just a, just a better audio engine and um, things like EQ, uh, compression, limiting. Some uh, It has a lot of extra features that the old one didn't have. And, and you know, over the course of five years, that's like... 50 years in app years. So it needed a rewrite and it needed to be reborn for a whole bunch of reasons. So Backpack Studio is the modern incarnation that will be around forever. There was so much in there that as far as features, and I don't want it to become maybe too, I obviously want to get to know Ed and let people get to know you, but let's maybe if we can dig into some of those features. One, sure. I've actually had the experience of trying to get former Boss Chalk users Maybe there might have been something about Bostock that didn't fulfill whatever they were trying to achieve at the time. And mm -hmm. I've tried to move them to consider Backpack as the perfected ground-up rewrite of that same idea. And yes. 
one thing that hit me and pretty much blew me away was the simple things that used to kind of make it difficult for me as an inexperienced creator at the time was the monitoring on Boss Jock. The monitoring options in Backpack, simple change. I mean, probably not simple from your perspective. I'm sure it took a lot of engineering, but (laughs) as a user, just the fact that there's more integration of small preamps like the iRig Pre-HD where I can can monitor myself and it doesn't take any finagling and I know the device will work every time when I plug it in, Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. And I'm not sure if anyone's told you, I think I might have tweeted you about this early on, just the choice of the presets with things like the gating and particularly the compressor, very, very musical to me as a former musician. It's yes. more so than maybe the brute force approach that some of the features had in Boss Jock. And I don't know whether that's obviously the code's better and the writing, but is it because the devices have more powerful audio engines now too? Is that There, there were political reasons why uh, Boss Jock had a really... Uh it had a really aggressive limiter and a really aggressive EQ in it by default. Okay. And uh, okay, right that, was some, that was something that uh, that was one of the first things I changed when I started the rewrite was to make it a little more subtle and still still have the compressor in the EQ and the limiter, but expose more of those settings. So it it's a little gentler on the ears, I think. But I always encourage people to go into the settings and try the EQ presets and try the the limiter and the the noise gate is okay. It works. It works well if you're in a very uh, if you have a nice loud signal with some obvious background noise. But the it does have the noise gate too now. So yeah, a lot of a lot of thought went into it, and I'm glad that it sounds better. Yeah, and just with the the devices at the time, because from memory, I think I downloaded Boss Jock onto. It might have been an iPhone 6 maybe at the time. Mm-hmm. Was there a technical limit in the devices at that point for things like not having unlimited sound pads or were those just decisions that were looking back might have been uh, more arbitrary that we're going to set the limit at this or was it just because it was purely built for people to record a live show and you don't obviously need unlimited boards in that case? I, I think a lot of it was just having the app be really simple and only have six pads. I mean, it was a... It was a creative limitation to a lot of people, but over the years, that was the number one feature request. Like, you know, why can't we have more pages of sound pads? So when I created Backpack, I said, let's just do unlimited sound pads. So if you fill up your page, you just scroll, you just scroll it, and then you get a whole brand new page. I, I modeled it after, I modeled it after how the dashboard of the iPhone works. Yeah. Okay. So when you have, you know, when you install your fiftieth app, you just get a new page to the right. So you could just you could infinitely keep loading it up until your phone runs out of space. That's really fascinating that you mentioned that because now when yeah. I think about it, all of the gestures that make things happen in Backpack mimic similar gestures on the iPhone already. Like with the vol- mm-hmm. like the gain increases, you don't have to turn a knob and you don't have to tap a button. You can actually just gently swipe those up like you're turning the brightness up and down. Now that's controversial. A lot of people feel that volume sliders on iPhones and iPads should be horizontal because I, I listened to a podcast about audio software development and they were interviewing the maker of one of the major iOS synthesizers. And he's, he was saying that sliders should always be horizontal and not vertical because your finger gets bunched up. But I feel the opposite way. 
that I'd rather slide it vertically, especially when I'm holding the phone. It feels more comfortable to me. Yeah. So you like it better vertical? Oh, definitely. Well, it just feels having used any kind of mixer before. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yes. it, it just feels natural. And also, it removes the, a similar gesture within Backpack was to swipe to end your recording. And if I'm not looking properly, knowing that I, I can't possibly stop my recording by accidentally doing something, because that, that gesture is different to all the other gestures, that to me is a safety feature that's just built in. So, yes, yeah. yeah. And that was modeled after the original iPhone unlock. Yeah. Uh, back before we had Face ID that just opens the phone. Yeah, back when it worked every time, not half the time. Mm-hmm. So, and, it made that, and it made that unlocking sound. Yeah, which I, I actually kind of miss that process a little bit. I know that it probably wasn't very secure, but... <laughs> I read an uh, interview with one of the Apple engineers on the original iPhone, and when they made that unlocking noise, they used like 50 different sound designers, and they ended up going with just uh, somebody taking a cheap gym locker and just locking the gym lock. <laughs> that's what it and is. That's what, that's what the sound is on the original uh, slide for the iPhone. <laughs> wow. I guess I'm impressed that anyone from Apple had ever been in a gym, but I guess that's, uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. It's one thing I find funny, complete detour, but that's kind of how I work, Ed. Uh, there's so many stories about Apple, it's hard to tell the myth from the truth. But the myth, yeah. the myth is just so great that I just want them to be true. Because yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. So do you mind if we tackle... I did ask some people from a few discords I'm involved with just before we maybe go a little bit more into the, the features because there's a few I want to talk about. I have had one question come to me in the lead up to this interview, and I'm sure you get it all the time, but I haven't heard you have the chance to answer this before. This is from Damien the DM on Discord. His podcast is a tabletop gaming podcast, I'm assuming. It's called Adventures in Aurelia.com. Okay. He his question is it's two parts. It's iOS only. If so, why no Android? Uh, yes, that's you know that's a very huge feature request, and it's something that I I can't wait to do. Basically, it comes down to the number of hours in a day to develop a audio application is twice as much time. Yeah. So if there was if there was two of me, there would be there would have already been Android by now. But since there's only one of me, I have to. I, it's scheduled and it's on the horizon and it's going to happen. But um, okay. Being being an indie being an independent developer. I can't afford an Android developer, so I'm going to have to do it myself. But it's something I'm actually looking forward to. The reason you need two developers is because iPhone apps are written in uh, C and Objective-C and now Swift, which is a newer language. And Android apps are written in Java, which is a totally different language. So you can reuse a lot of pieces, and I can reuse the interface graphics, of course, but it requires a pretty substantial rewrite. Thanks. That's just a really transparent fantastic answer because i think that there'll be a lot of people a lot of people hearing this right now that are like mm-hmm. uh, it is on the roadmap thank you because we yeah we, oh, i can't wait yeah. yeah we we need this and yeah do you mind ed if we just go back into the past a little bit and i don't want this to by any means be a bash the history of android thing but i do recall at different times in the past certain application developers particularly in the audio space found the multivariant versions, I guess, of Android complicated and also found that their latency and their audio engines weren't comparable to the similar series of iPhones or iPads. Yes, yes. So 
early on with Android, and it, hopefully it's not the case now, when you built for an Android device, you had no idea if it was going to be running on, you know, a brand new, a brand new super fast phone or a tenure, like a, an extremely limited phone, or it could be running on somebody's refrigerator or coffee pot. There's, there, there's so many, <laughs> yeah. there's so many devices that Android was ported onto. Whereas with the iPhone, you, you only had, you know, a handful of models and you could test on those models to get your hands on all the different Android devices you know, you need hundreds of them, but that's that situation has improved uh, substantially over the last few years, is my understanding. And as long as we as long as we can get the audio latency down to a few milliseconds, I think it'll be okay. That is the goal, obviously. And I could just speak to being someone who day to day sells the new Android stuff and the new Samsungs, particularly. They are quite beautiful, but. Mm-hmm. Just if anyone is out there listening, just maybe stay away from the 5G S20. If <laughs> at the moment, it's having a lot of issues with that gigantic sensor they put in there overheating and the phone shutting down. So that's just my PSA. When I start the Android development, I'm going to make a, a Instagram or Twitter post and just have everybody send me their old Android devices so that I can <laughs> yeah. try to get as many of them working as I can. Because <laughs> I know it's going to be hard. I know there's going to be a lot. <laughs> yeah, But I don't think it'll be too bad. You only need to use a modern Android device to know that just when it comes to speed, reactivity, coloration, just the way that it feels and reacts to different hand movements, all those things, there's no discernible difference between those devices in functionality now. I don't think whereas So the top two are the 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 Pixel and the what's what's the other top Android device? The, the um... S twenty Ultra. Would probably be. Okay. Yeah, the 5G. Okay. Yeah, at the moment, yeah. Maybe just one more Android question, if that's okay, before we get back into the actual app itself, which is on iOS. <laughs> just sure. with the Android user base, are they are they asking maybe different kinds of questions as well as when's it coming? Are they looking for any particular use cases maybe that an, your iOS, traditional iOS audience hasn't been? I mean, is there is there YouTube people that are chasing an Android version like that sort of stuff where they can expand mostly, it into? Yeah, I get asked mostly on Twitter about it, and I assume that they're mostly traditional podcast and radio people that have either had an iPhone and used the product, and then switched from iOS, or somebody told them to get it and they're disappointed that they can't get it. But I would assume that the Android users have the same. The same goals of creating rich audio and podcasts and radio. Oh, that wasn't really a leading question into delineating those two audiences as much <laughs> as, as much as I see just from selling Android that the types of people that buy Android are either much more technical than people that buy iOS, just in my experience, or uh-huh. they're much less technical. And there's a great wide range of people that seem to enjoy Android and get what they need out of Android. So I'm just thinking maybe that may map to more use use cases from people that may want to use Backpack in the future. Sounds sounds like there's going to be some Android users that want tons and tons and tons of settings and then some others. Yeah. (laughs) And then it sounds like Apple is in the middle and then you have extreme tech and extreme non-tech on the edges of the... Apple, yeah, I think so. (laughs) Yeah, that'll be be interesting to see, yeah. Just, I guess, what I see just day to day is that 
Android is filtering out to so many people in the world that just cannot get in at the ground floor of the cost of an iOS device. So uh-huh. I think Backpack, I mean, this is all speculation, but I guess I've got the guy on the show. I may as well flatter you with some speculation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please do. I, yeah, I can see that it can reach, Android just has the ability because of the affordability of different devices to reach maybe markets that iOS, for example, has locked out just purely to do with, some of their devices are just not feasible for people. Like my new Pro Max iPhone, first time I've upgraded since the 7 Plus, like I looked at that thing and two years time, my car will be worth less than this phone. (laughs) So it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's that's an exciting challenge to me because the whole point of Backpack Studio is uh, to empower people that don't have the budgets for uh, large studios and expensive hardware and expensive to, to give them that functionality for, you know, $5 or $10 and, and empower them. So that's exciting to me. And that was also a beautiful, exciting segue there, Ed, back into the main point. Of <laughs> so just with, obviously, I think you brought up in there the UI and UX design that was it sorry whatever you did for Libsyn obviously you're pretty steeped in the way things react and the way things look for people to use I don't know whether it's the same philosophy but I do remember when Boss Jock was out in the wild that it was about all in the box very easy and you just create it and post it and that can quite often come down to well are all these things accessible do can I navigate the app in real time if I'm doing a live show or, a, you know, an all basically an unedited, you know, one take kind of show? How much work goes into mapping what you have in your head onto real users' behavior? Like, how do you know that? How do you know that having a swipe to stop the recording is a good feature versus having a big button with stop on it? Like, how do you? Well, we're <laughs> very lucky since the very beginning to have a passionate user base that will go on test flight and get the test versions and tell you and give you feedback and a lot, a lot of feedback from the users and creating the product in real time uh, from the user's feedback as, as opposed to saying, oh, I'm a genius and I knew I had this <laughs> remarkable intuition like, and I'm Steve Jobs. And I, I, I made a concerted effort, especially when I created Backpack Studio to listen to the user's feedback and to watch them using the app and to talk to them and let... And, and, and study them and how they use it. And um, another huge, huge, huge influence on the app has been the voiceover community. Wow, okay. They're just amazing. Uh, the the applebiz.com, and I have a group of 20 or 30 voiceover users that that are just so passionate about it. And, you know, they email me every day about when the next uh, beta is coming out on test flight. Yeah. And... So I'm, I'm a, I essentially have a giant group of a hundred people that tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah, and so, and I'm and I'm flattered to have that. And it's a credit to you that you're so open to feedback because I know that on my short form comedy show, I accidentally didn't turn the microphone on one day. Oh no! And oh, no. I think I messaged you on Facebook and said, "I love the app." And those episodes can range from sixty seconds to three minutes. So it wasn't like I'd lost an hour of stuff. Yeah. I just redid them. But I think that I suggested something silly, like it would be good if you went to hit record, but your mic wasn't on, that it let you know that. And 
I think that yes. something got integrated into the app that meant that basically, I don't know whether it was a cue or you couldn't start recording if the mic wasn't turned on. Yes. So that's, that's a controversial thing. Um, so if you go into the settings, there's something called auto pause mode that yes, was experimented with in Bostruck. So if auto pause mode is on and you're not playing a soundpad or a mic, then it won't record. It'll just blink and wait. And then, then when you turn the mic on, then it's like, okay, you're doing something now. So you don't get silence. So if you're talking and you turn the mic off and you're not playing a sound pad, it just pauses automatically. Autopause is a really great feature. I don't enable it by default, but I, I do recommend it for a lot of people. From memory, I think it may have already been in the version I had, but it didn't really it, it didn't make a, sense to me it what it was to begin with. When I was looking through the settings on like auto pause mode, it didn't click in my head that uh, that's to stop that particular eventuality. Yeah. yeah. I should probably explain it a little better. Yeah. A lot of people, it's, it's one of those things where you love it or hate it. So I put it in settings and I disabled it by default. Another funny example is when you listen to a lot of users at the same time, sometimes you'll run into, you'll, you'll, you'll run into controversies. I've had, I had several users tell me that when a pad is done playing, they want it to dim out so that, you could it's just it's darker so that you can't see it and you know that it's already been played which okay. makes a lot of sense because if you're triggering a lot of commercials and a lot of bumpers or especially if you're doing a radio show where you might have 50 different promos that you have to play over the course of a few hours it makes sense to have your to have your sound pads dim yeah correct yeah so i thought i did that i did that and i was like i was really excited about it i said this is genius uh, <laughs> and i released it I released it and I sent it out to my testers and I immediately got blowback that uh, people couldn't see the pads. They couldn't. So for, for everybody that loved it, somebody else, it was ruining their life. (laughs) So, so what you have to do in that situation is rather than make a decision, I went into the settings and I don't want to have too many settings, but this warranted putting a, a switch in the settings that said, do you want pads to gray out after they play? And I default it to, to on. And then if you don't want that, then you turn it off so that they don't gray out. So a lo- there's a lot of situations like that where you have to try to please both people. Well, it makes complete sense because to me, and it's something I think in my version, I've actually, it kind of just made sense to me. I didn't even think about it, that once one's done, it grays out. Because if you're looking down quickly and you're doing other things and it's an all-in-the-box solo project through a phone you you yes. may be looking at notes or something you've written down or whatever if i can just look down and know i don't want to have to think about is my intro and outro left and right or right and left which one is it i can just look for the one that's next in line that hasn't been grayed out yet <laughs> yeah 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 i guess it, i guess useful. it brings yeah. up one of the main questions i had because i very rarely get to talk to the people that create the things that help me do stuff, Ed, and this is one of the things that helps me do stuff. How do you avoid, as the creator and the programmer, how do you avoid feature creep in a product? Like, how do you, how do you know <laughs> what's real and what's not? And what obviously you can't have a massive two pages of settings for people to turn on and off just to tweak the app. I mean, it gets to a point where it's just too complicated. That's tough. That's a tough question. And I've I fall victim to feature creep. I think every developer does. Um, I guess 
I think what you have to do, I think the, the best course of action is to say, okay, uh, well, so right now on test flight, I have a version that hasn't come out yet that has uh, MIDI support. So people with MIDI keyboards want to trigger the pads. That's, per that's a perfect example of feature creep where you only have a couple people asking for it, but they want it really, really, really bad. So I have to ask myself, if I do put that in, is it going to affect the experience of the 99% of people that don't need it in order to satisfy these people? And with the, with the situation with MIDI pads, I put it in because it didn't affect the experience at all. Um, yeah. If you have the MIDI plugged in, then I then it shows up and gets detected, and then you see a little MIDI icon. So it, it's transparent for 99% of the users, but for the people that needed to trigger with MIDI, they have it. So that's that, that's a situation where I think I was able to to create that feature quickly, but mitigate it so that it didn't dampen the experience. Because you don't you don't want to create you don't want to add features for a few percent of your customers that degrade the experience for their 95%. So that's where I draw the line. If it can go in there and not affect everybody's experience, then yes. I mean, a good example I think of that is that I think when I first used the the product, might have been really early, I don't think at that point I could send the files directly to Google Drive. Oh, that's a great one. Um, yeah, a lot of people ask for Google Drive, and that was really easy to add because it's just an extra button in the. And I knew I knew automatically that that was going to be worth it because it didn't really add a whole lot of inner. Because when you export uh, files, you see all the destinations, uh, you know, Dropbox, all the different FTP, all the different places places you could publish your show to. So to just add another one to that list made sense, especially something that is. Uh, popular as google drive there were a lot of requests for that yeah. i'm assuming though ed that you probably get asked to add some obscure why isn't mediafire on there or why isn't some yeah. you know cloud yeah. cloud yeah. front something something on there like <laughs> yeah yeah and for a lot of those people i say okay i just i'll log the feature request but nobody else has asked for that but yep. who knows and you can save the fact that you could save to google drive and dropbox means a lot of a lot of the time you could just open into any app well actually you can open into any app that accepts audio and video the, from the current version of ios the way that the share sheet and is works allows it to just recognize an app is taking now i built some custom adapters uh some custom destinations like for libsyn uh that i made from scratch that uh, generally I'm, I'm happy to add export destinations. I wanted, I was really disappointed uh, when I made Backpack Studio that SoundCloud got rid of their API for developers. Okay. So I wasn't able to put Sound, I wasn't able to put SoundCloud in, and that's one that I would like to put in. I'm not sure why they disabled it, but hopefully they'll turn it back on. Okay, so that's interesting about SoundCloud. I've actually got to go pick my car up soon, which I explained to Ed early on. So I'm going to avoid doing my normal thing and going down another rabbit hole there. <laughs> so could you mind if I just finish up with two quick questions, Ed? What feature, obviously you've come up with all these incredible features in the app and it really is beautiful and really reliable. I don't know if I mentioned that. If you're listening to this, it's super stable, which not all of these apps on the phone are. So... That just that's my opinion. That's yes. just my opinion. It records, and you don't lose your recording. And when you export it, it's the file format that it's meant to be. Which um, that's just yeah. yes, there's 
the latest, the, the version that's coming out of the next week or two actually has some extra, some extra stuff for if the battery dies or, yeah, nice. um, you just have a, your hard drive. It'll just, it, it survives complete meltdowns. Wow. That's cool. Uh, by, <laughs> yeah, it does some like routine saving kind of like, uh, the way the desktop software works. So nice. oh, that's pretty cool. Thanks for letting us know that. <laughs> don't, you do not want people to lose their podcast that they've been recording for the past hour. No. Like. That's devastating. Yes, it is. I've done. It's only happened to me a few times, and it was devastating. I, yeah. I just yes. Is there? Does anything stick out to you from feedback from a feature request that maybe you can't currently see in the app, but you know that you would eventually like to have in there? Like maybe it's just pure pure oh, yeah. engineering time, or is like the features something about the app would need to change? But yeah, if you could list, give us some your dream feature, that would be cool. Uh, well, it's I've been working on it for a really long time, and I actually have a really amazing backend engineer helping me with it now, and that is uh, guest recording. So being able to do what we're doing right now with both of us inside of Backpack Studio with high quality, um, you know, real time guest recording with is real time communicating but even if there's an audio dropout is recording a crystal clear local version that gets stitched into the file so especially right now with uh, the situation going on in the world it's a, it's a problem that needs to be tackled uh like Mark Marin Mark Marin just did his first episode yesterday with a remote guest and there's a lot of there's some solutions out there but I'd really like to nail the problem of live guests and I'd also like to nail the problem of live streaming without uh, a lot of complicated ice casts and radio adapters that we have now. So simple guest recording built into the app and simple live streaming uh, built into the app. And I haven't, I'm lucky to have an amazing uh, backend engineer helping me with that right now. So that's something to look forward to in the coming months. <laughs> My brain's just going exploding right now. This is, I mean, you probably already thought about this, Ed, but if the both the local phones can record in AIF or whatever the lossless format is you choose, Wave or yeah, and yeah. the main host. So just say that was me calling you through Backpack. If it could do a subroutine and record a lower quality version as a backup with, with exactly. those people on there as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. So the low quality version is going to stay in sync so that we don't drop out and we can hear each other doing the interview. And then the high quality version will be on the phone. And then there there will be a there's there's a couple apps I can't think of the name that do this kind of right now. But that, the general idea is that you have the low quality for doing the interview and then the high quality version that gets stitched yeah. in. And that way, if somebody's Wi-Fi is bad or if somebody's router gets unplugged, or the million things that could go wrong during a, during a live interview happen, you have high quality local timestamped audio that can get stitched into the, the host's phone. So that can, it's a tricky problem to solve, but a really exciting one. So it's, it's on the horizon. I mean, we don't really need to go too much further into anything today because that's super exciting. But I guess the, the one question I would have regarding that particular rollout is I I have the app, obviously. Ed has the app. There, it, It's a mm -hmm. paid app still from memory. How, if mm -hmm. you're inviting it and you want to do podcast interviews and guest interviews at scale, I hate that phrase, but at scale, like mm -hmm. multiples, mm -hmm. how... Does the main person buy some kind of credit to get the other person onto the phone? Like, how does the, how does that person at the other end get backpack if the, if they don't have backpack? I think that guests are going to be able to record either their choice of on the web or a real simple guest. Wow. App. Okay. Because the average guest the average guest probably doesn't need a 
soundboard and all a that real time yeah. yeah a real time podcasting studio yeah. it would be nice to you know to get everybody using the app but i think i think it'll be a combination of web and a backpack simplified guest recording system and i think it'll even have video elements built in so that uh you can see your you can see your guests and then yeah we'll be going for really good sound quality and it's 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 tricky but it's definitely i've been working on it for a while and it's coming along excellent that's exciting so backpackstudioapp.com is it ed Philowat on twitter or do you, is there any way any way you particularly like to take feedback or talk to people ed i'm ed philo on twitter and instagram uh follow backpack studio on twitter instagram and facebook uh i'm always posting updates uh beta testers i ask for beta testers a lot and just updates on the new features so backpack studio is backpackstudioapp.com it's in the ios app store and we're on all the social media so and one very last special end of the interview question, Ed. Did you attend these famous Libsyn parties back in the day? Yes, yes, I was. <laughs> uh, I wasn't at the first. I, w- I was at the one with uh, a rope caster, and I'll leave it at that. Okay, thanks, Ed. Thanks so much for making the time. Right, and you. yeah, I guess we're coming up on one o'clock in the morning your time, so I better let you go. I'm wide awake. I love it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Take sir. Care. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> This episode was edited by Deadset Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing.